Good evening, Anchorage, Alaska, the lower 48, and the rest of the world. This is Bruce Lindquist with his podcast, Wonderful Counselor. The title of this mini-series is The Preacher's Kid That Fought Like the Devil. And if you haven't listened to this podcast before, start with episode one, The Prayer, and then follow the series of programming until we get up to tonight's episode, which is number seven, The Forbidden Friendship. It's time for you to use that God-given imagination of yours. It's the middle of the 50s. In the deep south, there's been a great fire, but one little hardware store was completely untouched by the flames. At first glance, it's nothing to write home about. It's a time-worn, ordinary wooden structure. To be truthful, the old place has seen better days, and that would describe the man who owns the store, Old Joe, as they call him. He's a Caucasian man in his late 50s, and he couldn't afford to hire anyone, so he is boss and employee all rolled up into one. If you ever wanted to locate Joe, he's easy to find, as from the break of dawn until sunset, he works at the store, except on Sundays, he honors the Sabbath. Joe lives alone. His wife passed years before. Kids all grown, moved out of the state. It's just him and his partner, a sandy-colored lab named Millie. He had gotten her from a local shelter many years ago. And while the kids were not thrilled that Dog was named after their mom, he knew she would be quite pleased he had another Millie. Joe also was a God-fearing man, and he cared about his town. And they needed supplies to rebuild. And that's what he'd been doing. He'd been ordering what they would need. Some would say that was a wise business venture, kind of like when the gold rush hit California back in the day, and that man made so much money selling mining supplies to gold panners. Joe, however, didn't see it that way. He saw that this was what God would do if he had a hardware store. And come to think of it, it was God's store anyway. And because of that, he had refused the local ordinance many years ago that was put in effect that bathrooms be segregated. He refused, and when they threatened to close this place, he just took them out of his main bathroom. Those who came in would need to use the service station across the street. The way Joe looked at it is we're all made in the image of God, and God's image was welcome, regardless of the color or lack thereof. He simply wasn't going to play their games, and he knew that is why some would not come into his store, or others would burn crosses in his yard. He prayed for them, because obviously they needed Jesus to teach him how to love. Big Bo and Josh, his little brother, and Shadow, their trusty best friend, who's a black lab, were on mission. Their grandpa, the preacher, asked them to go in and pick up some large nails for the cross to be built on the outside church service next Sunday. Joe stood there smiling in his bib overalls and an old but clean shirt and his trademark ball cap from one of his best childhood memories, the baseball games his dad used to take him to. That old ball cap, it hit his balding head and it made more prominent his thinning gray beard. He greeted the boys who enthusiastically entered the store and they felt about Joe like many of the town folks did. He was beloved. Millie gave a soft bark acknowledging her friend Shadow was in the store. The dogs went over to each other, played a bit, wagged their tails in delight to see in seeing each other. Shadow and Millie had an understanding, though. He was a taken dog. 
with a golden lab back home by name of Sadie, who trusted him, and Millie was a good friend to both of them. Bo and Josh approached the counter, and in front of them was a cute little girl Josh's age named Sarah, who was about his height, with sandy blonde hair, in a cute little patchwork southern dress with a little lace on the sleeves. Josh thought to himself, she was beautiful, and sensed the same Holy Spirit in her that was in him. She was on her tiptoes, reaching to get something off a shelf, when her foot gave way, and she lost her balance. With gravity winning, she was falling to the floor. Josh, who was quick as lightning, caught her just before she hit the ground, and brought her back to her feet. This drew a sigh of relief from Sarah. She then turned around to see her would-be rescuer. He caught her smile of appreciation and those welcoming friendship-making blue eyes. They stared at each other, and Josh was holding her hands. Her dad, old Mr. Hinchot, Hinnicott, was not impressed or grateful to Josh. Instead, he stormed over in rage and threw Josh to the floor, and there was no one to catch him. He hit with a thud on his shoulder and wrist. He glared down at Josh and said, If you ever touch my daughter again, you wish you'd never been born, colored boy. Big Bo picked his brother up, who was stunned by the course of events that just happened. Big Bo's mind flashed. He was now back in the old house with his raging alcoholic dad and standing between him and his brothers. Now Big Bo was just a child, even now, but they didn't call him Big Bo for nothing. He could easily be mistaken for a teenager. He was that tall and strong as an ox. He went toe-to-toe with his dad and lost all of those fights except the last one. But he made sure his brothers were not hurt. And after all of that, a stranger hurt his brother? Shadow went up to Big Bo and put his pawn, Bo's foot, and he came out of his memory with the man saying to him, Well, boy, what are you staring at? The man expected the kid to cower, but Big Bo did not back down to anyone, God if there was one, or the devil, and certainly not for this poor excuse of a man. Big Bo's rage in his heart matched the man's hatred for him. Big Bo dead-eyed the man and said, Mister, if you ever touch my brother again, you will wish you were never born. Shadow was ready to intervene, but Millie gave a little bark that let him know he'd only make the situation worse, but boy did he want to bite this guy. Joe realized this could come to blows, so he intervened. Hey, Sarah, I have some candy in this jar. Would you like some? She turned to Joe and politely said, Yes, please, sir. It was just enough to break the headlight glare between Big Bo and Sarah's dad. The man turned and looked at Joe. This is what happens when you let color folk in your store. Tell them to leave when we can finish our business. Joe said with conviction. Kindness is welcome. Hatred isn't. We are finished with our business, Wade. Good day. The man grabbed his daughter by the hand and before walking out of the store said, You haven't heard the last of this. You made your choice, Joe. And Joe said, I fear God, not man. Joe looked at the boys and told Josh, That was a kind thing. God saw what you did. He continued, Big Bo, that man is very dangerous. He and the rest of those grown-up men wearing bedsheets don't play. He meant his threat. Bo looked at Joe and said, With all due respect, sir, and I meant mine. Joe handed them the nails, and they headed back to their grandpa's house. Josh was smitten with Sarah. He couldn't get her out of his mind. Big Bo recognized that dreamy look in his brother's eyes and told him, You need to stay away from her. Josh said he would, and didn't think God would mind this once. It was only a little lie, and he had his fingers crossed.
Big Joe and Josh met with their grandfather and gave him the nails, and their parents and other brother Rig joined them, and they all spent the rest of the day talking and building a cross, as Shadow filled Sadie in on what happened. Josh told his grandpa, who was quite familiar with Mr. Wade G. Hendercott. You should have seen my brother. He protected me, said Josh. He wasn't afraid of him. Grandpa, will you talk to my little brother? He seems quite taken by that white girl, said Big Bo. Grandpa saw the look in Josh's eyes and knew he could lock that kid in a closet until he was 18 and it would do no good. Josh said, Grandpa, I know it's not right, but there is hate in this world greater than you've seen before. That man will not let you see her, and if you did, you could get badly hurt. Josh said, I don't know what you're all worrying about, but he knew neither Grandpa or Bo or anyone in the family was buying what he was saying, including the dog. When Mr. Hendicott got home, he told his wife, and they washed their daughter's clothes and gave her a bath, and the whole time he was lecturing her to not ever go near the colored kid. Sarah, however, knew she found a friend, a forbidden friend, and everything inside her told her she would be seeing him again soon. That time came when Sarah and her mom went to Joe's hardware store as Mr. Hendicott had left for a few days on what he said was important business. Lily, his wife, knew what he was up to. He had lots of mistresses. She would have left him a long time ago, but she had nowhere to go. She was relieved when he was gone, as she had experienced his ongoing brutality, especially when he drank. Rig and Josh were at the hardware store also, and Sarah pointed out Josh to her mom. Lily saw her opportunity to stick it to her husband and all the whores he had bedded with when he left for his so-called business. She asked Josh if she could speak with him. Josh came up, and both of them, Rig, stood on guard with Shadow. She thanked him for keeping her daughter from falling, as she has a medical condition, and a fall could have crippled her. She apologized for her husband's behavior and said, You two can talk for a few minutes while I shop. Josh was thrilled to see Sarah again. He gave her a homemade cross he built from the big cross they made earlier. Sarah gave him a homemade knitted cross for his Bible. Lily said, You have to keep your friendship a secret, and I will do the best I can so friends can spend time with each other. Josh thanked Sarah's mom and promised to be the best friend Sarah has ever had. Some secrets remain hidden to the grave for heaven to reveal them at a later time. But unfortunately, this one didn't. Who told Mr. Hendicott is not clear. It might have been Lily, given how she would have had motive, but we will never know. Mr. Hendicott stayed with his family for a few days and then announced he had another business trip, but he would be back before Saturday night to take them to church Sunday morning. Lily watched her husband drive down the road and waited a day, and then her and Sarah went out for a picnic near the creek. Now Josh was fishing at the creek and on the hillside way above him was Sarah and her mom. Mr. Hennicott watched, hid out of sight, as his wife and Sarah met with Josh and they all hugged. It was a wonderful picnic. Josh hated to say goodbye, but when the time came, he went back down the creek, followed it to the culvert, and started the walk on the road home. All Josh could think of was Sarah. He had just about made it to the hill before the house, when he heard the sound of a monster growling, and when he turned, a speeding truck came out of nowhere and clipped him, knocking him down to the road. 
The tires squealed, and the truck turned around, and it was coming at him again. Josh was fast, but the first fall hurt his leg, so he could only hobble out of the way. He was no match for the truck's speed, and it ran him over, dragging his body on the undercarriage of the truck, until his clothes tore loose, and he was laying on the road not moving. The truck swung around again, like a savage hunter, for its final kill shot, with the driver aiming to run the truck over Josh's head. Shadow darted from the front of the truck, barked fiercely, which surprised and startled Mr. Hendicott so much he missed Josh's head and almost drove his truck in the ditch. Shadow kept barking, so he drove off enraged. He couldn't finish him off, but he was also pleased with himself that colored boy would not ever be near his daughter again. Shadow was looking in Josh's face, but Josh was not moving. Shadow ran up the hill barking loudly, and Sadie then started barking, which got the attention of the entire family, and they followed the dogs down to where Josh's body was lying. The ambulance came and Josh was on life support, headed for the same hospital Bo was a year ago. A local law enforcement chalked it up to a drunk driver, and Josh fell into a coma, so he was unable to tell them what happened. But even if he were, this was the South in the 50s, they would not have believed him. While Josh's seven-year-old body was barely hanging on, Mr. Hendricott wasn't done with his rage. He walked into his house calmly like a hurricane before the storm arrived. He asked both his daughter and wife to join him in the front room, and he sat in his chair. I have a question for both of you, he said. Have you been anywhere near that colored boy? And Sarah and her mom said no. Sarah thought to herself, God wouldn't understand her lying to her dad. Then he made the most unnerving smile and told them to stay put, and he went and got a beer. He looked at both of them when he returned and said, Good, glad to hear it, because I heard that color boy Josh got run over and killed today. According to what I heard, his body got drugged down the road like some roadkill on the highway. Heard he looked like roadkill too. He took a swig of his beer and continued, and they had to scrape what was left off him the road. After all those decent folks don't need to see a bloody mess on the highway, that would make a stomach squeeze, squeamish and breakfast hard to eat. Oh, and I guess your conscience are clear, because you stayed away from him, didn't you? If Sarah could hold the world's hate in her little body, she would have carried it. Well, just in case, if you were with that colored boy, maybe you both need to go upstairs and take a bath. Lily said we were not with him. Mr. Hendicott said in a voice that did not seem human anymore, Go upstairs, wash the filth off you, I'm not asking again. Sarah and her mom went upstairs, and she started to bathe her daughter. Mr. Hendicott was now screaming, You better be in the tub too, Lily, when I get up there. Both were naked in the tub when Mr. Hendicott came to the door, which was locked. He kicked the door down, grabbed his daughter and his wife by the hair, as they were screaming, kicking, clawing, and crying, and forced their hands underwater until they stopped moving. They were at the mercy of a madman. Just before they passed out and drowned, he let them both up, looked them both in the face and said, Next time you disobey me, I will kill you both. He then got up and went downstairs for another beer. Lily and Sarah were grasping for breath, shaking uncontrollably in the cold, holding each other. They then heard the voice from downstairs. I'm leaving now, Lily. See you in a few days. And they heard the truck, like the other side of the hurricane, roar out of the driveway. The family gathered at the bed of Josh at the children's hospital. Ray, his parents, Yvette, and Adon, and Grandfather were all in prayer. Big Bo was so angry at himself for not protecting Josh. 
And if there was a God, he was really angry with him. Big Bo, didn't, Big Bo did know, however, there was a devil, and apparently he could fight. All this stuff about a loving God didn't sit right with Big Bo, especially now. If God did exist, he had some words for him and a promise. Big Bo said in his heart, If you're there, then let him live, because if he dies, I will be Cain, and the blood will flow on the ground, and I will turn those white clan sheets red. I don't know what the next podcast episode is going to be called, um, but it will be out more than likely um, next Friday. Thanks for listening, and if you haven't listened to the other podcast episodes, please do, and enjoy the series. God bless you guys.